Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 507. Man, there's been a lot of them. And this is another great one. I'm joined this week by drunk women solving crime. Hannah, Katie and Taylor are wonderful podcasters. I was delighted to talk to them. We talk about the one of the reasons I was particularly delighted to talk to them quite early on but one of the things that we also talk about is my love of the podcast and I proper felt I sounded as if I'd only listened to one episode because I kept mentioning the Lou Sanders episode which is amazing but you know when you you, your mind just goes blank and it sounds like that's all you've listened to I've listened to the Lauren Patterson episode who's been a previous guest and was one of my favorite shows at the fringe this year Zaffa Cakes episode allows Zaffa the Stevie Martin episode is great and the Lou Sanders, both the Lou Sanders episodes are great, but it's a fantastic podcast and you're going to enjoy hearing their story and their journey. I also, while I'm here, I want to give another um, true crime podcast a shout out, Blue Murder Club. If you're a fan of drunk w- w- women solving crime, you might enjoy Blue Murder Club. It's it's well good. It's two, two women just picking a different crime each week they have guests on every now and then who pick their favorite crimes <laughs> which is quite dark but it's really good but anyway that's not what i'm here to talk about we are brought to you as ever by speech development records.com uh, where you can buy all my merch patreon.com forward slash scroobius pip is where you can support the podcast help pay buddy peace john harris and jared robinson that's the core team who do the behind the scenes work i do all the in front of the scenes work the booking the recording, the talking, the prep, the, they do. After I press stop, it's over to those guys. Particularly as I'm not really on social media anymore. I was going to say at the moment, but who knows anymore? So um, yeah, they're beasts. But speaking of that, you know, podcasts survive on word of mouth. So you spreading the word about this podcast, my podcast, spreading the word about drunk women solving crime. It's all important. And yeah, I do worry a bit while I'm off socials that you know, I'm not there to shout about the podcast, so who is? But I think you guys are pretty good at doing that and always have been. So I hope you can keep that up. I appreciate you all. Yeah. And let's get into the podcast. You, you're going to hear how much I enjoyed this. Uh, we got into some subjects that you might not expect, but I hope you enjoy. This is episode 500 and I've forgotten already. I said it a minute ago, 507 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with the drunk women solving crime, Hannah George, Katie Wilkins and Taylor Glenn. Let's go. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. Yeah. But when it's fellow podcasters, it feels almost patronising to, say, <laughs> <laughs> to kind of say, are you, are you okay to record this? Like, <laughs> oh, and I never take it personally because it's, in some ways, each time feels like the first time. I'm like, wait a what? So I always yeah. appreciate specifics. It's Just, now the pressure's on because if we fuck this up, it's a <laughs> I made a big deal now. I said, oh, you know what you're doing, guys. It's fine. Um I'm joined today by Taylor Glenn, Katie Wilkins, and Hannah George, who's by their powers combined a drunk women solving crime. How are you all today? Yay! 
Yay. Very good. Not drunk. Just going to put that right out there. Okay. That's I mean, good. speak That's for fine. yourself, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's always optional. I used to do, um, once a year, I do a drunk version of this podcast. We do our big end of year oh, podcast cool. with me and and two of my mates. And off the because it got really popular, off the back of it, they started their own podcast. <laughs> and I know that their podcast isn't anything to do with being drunk, but for at least the first year, they were drunk for every episode. Just because oh they gosh. thought that's what podcasts are, because they'd only ever... <laughs> Come on, mind drunk kind of thing. It's like, yeah, that's just how it works. Uh, or, or how do you f- find the dr- drunk element of drunk w- women solving crime? And it comes to mind, like the episode that comes to mind instantly is is Lou w- when Lou was on after becoming sober. Yeah, it's it's, it's a strange kind of, of of scenario. Obviously, you all know each other and it's all all relaxed. But yeah, how do you find that element as a as something that you committed to at the start? well exactly (laughs) yeah we've kind of had that year that your friends had and then had to still carry on yeah 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 we've had that for four years Uh. yeah it's it's literally in your title on their podcast hardcore listing it's not in the title it's in their intro but it's not in their titles uh, so they can so they're not contractually obliged that's very smart well (laughs) we always say you know your body your choice and we've had you know Lou and we've had plenty of other guests who abstain for whatever reason doesn't matter we've had pregnant guests which thank goodness they weren't drinking because the optics on that are terrible yeah Um, (laughs) but just the optics the reality is fine oh yeah I don't really care about the the baby so much no I'm joking Um, (laughs) I I had a, 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 a guest on the drunk cast once and they brought a stunt drinker for them because they were sober. <laughs> so there was there was an extra guest who was there to drink for them and That's got the most drunk great. out of all of us. So we where had like a bonus person. That's job. brilliant. Where can I get this job? It's amazing, right? <laughs> they just went, who's my mate that drinks the most? I'll bring him along. <laughs> it worked perfectly. Wow. It kind of, you had that, yeah, had that interesting balance. But I was saying before we got started, I'm really excited to talk because... Chatting with you guys was the first thing that was taken away from me by the pandemic. Because we were lined up, I was doing pod Bible stuff and we were lined up yeah. to talk at the at the Birmingham Podcast oh, Festival. And yeah. and really the pandemic broke and there was there was ages of, oh, it's probably still gonna happen, right? Because yeah. we all didn't know what was coming. Yeah. It was kind of it. <laughs> there was a week or two of the pandemic and <laughs> the festival emailing back and forth saying it's a month away. Yeah, oh, it'll yes. probably yes. still happen. Like we'll yeah. have a summer, guys. Summer will be yeah. fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it didn't really work out that way. But how was that for you guys? Because that was you had a really good. You had a you had sold out shows lined up. It's mm. you know the live element is is really important for you guys. And that as I said the pandemic hit right before kind of the the big push for that was starting. So how was that to kind of to miss out on it and. Initially. I mean, obviously traumatic because I have completely blocked that out. I had forgotten <laughs> that that was lined up. And I'm like, oh, yeah. It's yeah. such a weird, fuzzy memory, the pandemic, isn't it? Also, I remember that we had like, we had a tour booked, actually, that we, yeah. hadn't, we hadn't announced. By March, oh, wow. we hadn't announced it. And thank goodness we didn't really, because it's a lot easier to sort of just really, we cancelled our tour just between the four of us, to be honest, you know, no mm. one knew about it. So that was fine. Although obviously I say fine, we'd have loved to have done that tour. And the live element of the show is like, has become such a huge part. We're at least 50-50 now, I would say live yeah. versus mm. studio records. But, you know, it was it was, it was was quite exciting to kind of adapt a little bit because, you know, we obviously did the Zoom records, we didn't miss a week. 
we just kept recording and yeah and that part of it was it became my entire social life I would say was like um yeah every Thursday night it would just I'd get drunk in the spare room on my own and <laughs> I mean with these guys but me too I, I wasn't recording a podcast but me too that was my that was my pandemic as well <laughs> if I can make it tax deductible then it's, it's fine. good it's to not. have a schedule um uh, how did you find that switch to zoom then because weirdly similarly I kind of had a panic when the pandemic hit and I didn't want to go over to Zoom because I've, I like these intimate, personal conversations. I thought it'd be lost over Zoom. It turns out it wasn't. But my panic resolution was, again, thinking this was only going to last a month or two, I did a drunk cast with James A. Castor and Ed Gamble, with Brett Goldstein and Ramesh Rangan yeah. and, and things like that. And it felt like being at home maybe made me let my hair down too much like oh. I think they're the drunkest drunk cast we've done because it's a slightly <laughs> different thing of being in your own living room on your own and I really clearly remember the kind of the feeling of clothes because normally if you've gone out and got drunk you've got the journey home to kind of go yeah. oh I'm a bit yep. I'm a bit yep. gone and it all sinks in gradually whereas this felt like the the laptop closed in slow motion <laughs> and then I was like Oh right, this is this is a thing. So how was that for you guys to have a work-related scheduled drunk <laughs> period each week? Um, we can't do the jingle because it's not our podcast. We can't go female <laughs> workplace. <laughs> I definitely think that the intimacy of being in your own home, coupled with seeing some of your favourite people's faces up close, did kind of lull me into like I'm safe and drinking more which might not have been entirely because it was still a recording that was going out to the people yeah. and I, I was definitely treating it more. And our shows have always had quite an intimate feel anyway. Like we've got the vibe of mates in a pub anyway, but I think I was probably a bit more candid than maybe is a good idea in general. It's weird how quickly you, you, you can forget that these are for yeah. public ears and these are recorded conversations. Like You've got a microphone in front of you and everything, but yeah, yeah. it's really easy to go someone will bring something up on social media a while later you'll be like, oh, how do they know that? Yeah. Oh, it's right. I I tell everything online. Then. <laughs> There's out of context drunk women, which um, someone runs on Twitter. Amazing. And when she like tweets the stuff that we've said, I'm like, ooh, don't remember that. But it's out of context, so it's probably fine. <laughs> no, and so often it really, it isn't even the alcohol. It's just, yeah, I mean, as you know, by the time you're in the hundreds of doing episodes, yeah. I just don't have the memory anyway to remember yeah. little specifics. So we'll get lovely messages sometimes that make absolutely no sense to me. <laughs> They'll be like, sorry, I'm late to the Chad party. Uh, somebody wrote that. And I'm like, I honestly don't know if they're talking about a man's name. And, and we talked about Chad's or if they're talking about voting in the US and the whole scandal <laughs> with Florida. But I was like, great. Thanks for listening. You know, just know. <laughs> what am I saying? I couldn't relate more. I Before <laughs> moving into acting and podcasting, I, I did, did music for years, but I stopped doing that like eight, nine years ago. But the bulk of my kind of audience came from that. And obviously, I don't sit at home listening to my own music. So all these songs, <laughs> I've not listened, I've not heard in nine years or ten years or, or whatever it is. 
And every now and then I'll have people do me a tweet that I'll think, that seems like a really weird thing to say. And it'll take me ages. <laughs> whereas, oh, that's one of my lyrics. Or the worst one was, <laughs> I read a quote and I was like, oh, I've always loved this quote. And I put the quote up online saying, this is, this is one of my favourite quotes. <laughs> I didn't realise I'd used that quote in one of my first songs. So people thought... I, I, people thought yourself. I was just saying, here's one of my favourite quotes of mine. Here's one of the best things I've said. And He's I was like, <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. I just didn't know I'd used that. It that's obviously really hit me good. at that point in my life and then I've forgotten about it. Hit me enough oh. to put it in a song and then I've forgotten. I've refound it all these years later. But, well, I mean, this is an exciting and interesting chat, chat for me because normally I do these all as 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 one on one, but it felt it didn't yeah. feel right to talk to to to, to tell you guys one on one. But I do still at points want to get into your own story. So apologies if there are any moments where I'm deep diving on anyone anyone <laughs> in particular. But let's start with the podcast and how it came about because I've listened to loads of episodes and it feels like such a locked format. It feels like a comfort blanket of sorts but how did it first come about how did you all kind of meet and decide to do a podcast we've drunk in the title again we've discussed the issue of, of that of that specific commitment well that's katie's fault the uh, the drunk bit because uh katie came up with the name drunk women solving crime like 10 years well gosh i keep saying 10 yeah, years ago but i've been saying that since we began it's a good number it was a while ago yeah like maybe 14 years ago and, and did you know what it was when you came up with the idea, because I'm doing a lot of, of scripts at the moment and I've got one script that all I've got is a title. It's a brilliant <laughs> title. I've got no idea what the film is, but I'm like, oh, this it. is a beautiful title. <laughs> it feels like that. You're like, I've got this title. Is it yeah. a podcast? Is it a TV show? Is it it's, a book? It's going to be something. It's going to be so great when I think what it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that. So, so you came up with it and then kind of lured everyone else in? Yeah, well... Ten my, years later. My, my, <laughs> my title lured them in. It was more like these guys came up with the um, workshopping, the um, the podcast itself in a pub of all Yeah, places. the format kind of... The format was amazing in the sense that we knew that we had this title. We knew that kind of we wanted to do a podcast. Um, and I think with the thing with... Um, uh, the pandemic and stuff. We'd started maybe a year or so before the pandemic mm. and getting mm. in there before that was really, really important, I think, for the growth of the podcast was just that, you know, because obviously during lockdown, lots of people started podcasts, but yeah. to have sort of had that year before sort of made it feel like, you know, we weren't just doing it because we had nothing else to do. We were doing it because, you know, we really to loved already it. already be on people's podcast yeah. page yeah. on that, on, on their regular listens it's mad how you get locked into here's my tuesday ones here's my wednesday yeah, and then yeah. that can be a hard thing to break into so yeah to already Big be part time. of that is key and then we just started thinking about like okay drunk women solving crime how would we sort of you know solve crimes on a podcast <laughs> and we just like one of us looked up a crime on wikipedia and just started asking the others questions about how they thought it all sort of went down and that we realised was quite fun. Then we were asking if we'd ever been victims of a crime. We realised mm. we all had. We all had a different story. Um, and then we thought, well, if we ever get any listeners, we could ask them to write in with our last mm-hmm. <laughs> our last part of the podcast, which is the listener crime. Yeah. And amazingly, we haven't really changed the format one bit from that first sort of, I call it a no. meeting in a pub, that, that drink yeah. we all had. <laughs> it was tax deductible. I yeah. know. It was a proper oh, sticky pub too. I'm very proud of how it all got started. I think we actually took notes on napkins unless I've glorified that memory and made it very, you know. I love it. 
Sounds like us. <laughs> I think it sounds like who? Why would why would three writers have paper? Why? <laughs> I mean, we wrote you. we wrote the notes in our own blood, didn't we? I remember that. that <laughs> yes, nice. yes, yes. Well, you can't seal a podcast deal with a without a bit of blood. Um, but yeah, it was really fun because it was just sort of we knew obviously that it had to be a comedy podcast, and so we thought, well, we need to go back to historical crimes. And I think very early on, we knew we didn't want to just kind of stick with the usual fodder that you get from most true crime programs. You know, we obviously have covered murders and we've done some very, very dark cases, but we thought, let's do anything that's a good story if there's Mm. any sort of crime involved. And sometimes that's like, ta-da, patent law. (laughs) And it just (laughs) might be a really fascinating story that has to do with that because there's an interesting person at the center yeah yeah it's a wide remit we've been able to cover aliens ghosts patent law you name you name it there's a crime (laughs) there excited yet (laughs) you had me at patent law (laughs) (laughs) but it's weird because again as as you kind of learn as you dig deep crime obviously has existed as long as law has existed (laughs) you know as soon as someone started saying you can't do this People yeah. go, oh, no, I'm going to. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's not yeah. right. So, yeah, it's perfect. There's endless things there. You touched upon the foot, the format there. And one of the, again, it's. It, it, I love that the whole thing came together in one dark, stormy evening. I'm adding that. I'm adding that one dark, <laughs> no, stormy evening. I love evening it. In, We're going to keep that in, when in, we retell in this. this. But um, <laughs> the opening section is one of the things that I think is a real masterstroke. The, the guest crimes because it can go from hilarity to heart-wrenchingly mm. horrible in in a heartbeat kind of thing yeah. and it's and that can be that's a beautiful thing i think in as a format point like that's amazing <laughs> range to, to, to yeah. have in a format point you can normally get that across various different things but to have that in one kind of qu- question how is that mm. part for you guys because it is what you start with it is as you yeah. say a comedy podcast but particularly Again, being blunt, particularly being drunk, women solving crime in the world that we live in. Yeah, a lot of crimes are exacted upon women, and it's fucking tragically common. So, yeah, how is that as a kind of? <laughs> we're all excited to begin. Yeah, now, where's it going to go? <laughs> is this going to be a big up or a big down immediately? Or yeah, well, how do you? you I think because we do like yeah we get a a lot of sexual harassment both like the fun ones and the terrible ones because because you know there are fun ones Um, but like I think although it is a comedy podcast and we are going for the laughs I think we do always manage to hold space um, for the more serious things and obviously there are there are certain things that we won't joke about so we'll we'll allow a more serious thing to have that space and then we'll you know, we'll find something else that's funny to to joke about later or we'll we'll lighten it in a different way. And it and it can be quite cathartic, I think, as well, to kind of have both and and have the time to to, you know, when we're never mocking like the actual serious stuff. But mm. I also think it is like as you say, as an opening format point, like having a guest come on, but instead of interviewing them, just asking them one question, like one very specific question to know them in that one way and then moving on with the podcast is kind of um, quite a weird but sort of quite a fun thing to do. Yeah, it is. It's the specificity of it. And, it, and it's again, it's not something that we talk about a lot as as humans because often a crime, even if it's a funny crime, is yeah. in some way traumatic or dehumanising yeah. or whatever else. And 
again, it's one of the things I've always loved with podcasts and with, I used to do this uh, uh, when my first album came out and the first reviews started to come in. Even though they were positive, all of them referred to it as quite morbid and quite bleak. <laughs> and I didn't know that these subjects were morbid and bleak because I've always been quite open to talk about yeah, like right. dark things. And so I wrote these <laughs> all these songs that were about heavy subjects. And I was like, all oh, right, are we not meant to... Are we not meant to talk about that? But <laughs> but then that's what you need to talk about the most. Exactly. And uh, and that's why I think it's great on your podcast in that position, because I think because these things, again, if they're heavy or not, they are part of day-to-day life, yeah. particularly f- for women. And then you don't realise how common it is. Like, I mean, we've had yeah. lots of um, like men write to us and say, I didn't know that that was happening like so much but also I think just for other women too to hear like oh that like I'm not alone I'm not an idiot everybody reacts yeah. like that it's really horrible and that kind of stuff is I think is quite helpful as well yeah I think exploring the reactions that guests have had to these experiences is one of the most powerful things and because we jump right into the story and then well and how did you handle it you know what happened next you know some common themes that come up is just Speaking of true crime, anyone that listens to it, we've all imagined what would I do in a scenario if it happened? And we all think that we're going to pull out some serious martial arts skills Mm -hmm. that we've never trained for and take somebody down. I mean, I've at least had that sort of fantasy like, oh, yeah, I would kick ass in the scenario. John Wick. Yeah, when it, (laughs) John Wick. When it happens, any number of things can kick off because you're in this fight or flight mode. You might freeze. I was just re-listening to an episode actually for something that we're um, writing about and just the anger that you feel when you're unable to do something. And that's the nature of trauma. But it's so validating to have a group of women there going, oh, yeah, that's happened to me as well. And listeners writing in and sort of validating that. I I love just hearing how people have dealt with it and whether they choose to lean into any humor or not. As Katie says, we give the space. I like to think that we always punch in the right direction when it comes to, you know, what we're going to laugh at. And um, yeah, I think we lucked out on kind of kicking off with that question. I don't think I realized how bold that was yeah. as a way to start without even saying, what do you do for a living? Because we sort of say, <laughs> welcome, comedian, blah, blah, blah. Ever been the victim of a crime? Like, there's nothing yeah. in between, usually. And again, like, it's beautiful no as well. N- n- not to completely overanalyze your wonderful podcast and shower you all in praise, but it's, it's a beautiful <laughs> no, thing because you've, <laughs> you've all agreed to talk about this in that moment. And in general, in yeah. general conversation, if something heavy like that comes up, you might move on quickly. You might feel uncomfortable. You might they the person sharing it might want to move on, but because you've all kind of they know the questions coming, they've decided yeah. how they want to talk about it. It's a beautiful space, and again, I think you're right there as well, Taylor. Kind of seeing the difference between our fantasies of what we would do in all these situations versus the reality. I've a hundred percent had so many hero fantasies type thing of like, oh, I'd love to have been there when that happened and I would have stepped in and all this. But I just, as you were saying that, it instantly made me think of walking along the road. I'm looking out my window at now after walking away from an incident and choosing to, it was the right thing to do. It didn't need to be a fight or whatever. It was better to be the bigger man. And honestly, a punch in the face would have hurt a lot less than that walk home of me thinking, oh, I'm going to go back, I'm going to go back, I'm going to go back, I should, I should have hit him, I'm going to go back. And, and oh, in that situation, man. I've done logically the right thing, but yeah. it was torture w- w- walking home thinking, yeah. I've walked away from that when 
in reality, I should have beaten that bloke up or whatever else. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's so weird how those things... you've got the adrenaline's going nuts inside you as well. It's really hard to calm down after something like that. It's amazing how unsatisfying the right thing is sometimes. Oh, 100%. (laughs) That's the pull quote for this episode. Yeah. (laughs) Taylor Gunn. Oh, I might actually remember that one. Yeah, I definitely think the right thing is sometimes backward engineered by people who who are annoyed at the choice they made and have to repeat over and over again. <laughs> I was the bigger man. It was the best thing to do in this situation. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you don't think that really, do you? <laughs> we do this thing. The other thing we do at the end of that question is we ask one follow-up question, pretty much always, which is, you know, if you had that person, the perpetrator mm. of the crime there, in front of you now, and you can do or say anything to them, what would you do or say? Uh, And it is really interesting because it is an all-female podcast. A lot of times we get people saying, I just want to check they're okay. Like, no matter what this person has done, they'll just be like, I just want to say, are you all right now if things got better? Which is so lovely. But then occasionally you get someone that's like, I smack him in the face, you know. Yeah, I want to lock them in a room full nice. of snakes and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> which which are more fun answers. <laughs> it's, it's an, a, but that's a beautiful j- 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 journey as well. I had a. a I'm, I'm not going to jump in and say here's my crime story now, but I had a thing happen, and it was really weird how like it was a notable light switch moment where I went from the kind of the feeling of hurt or whatever from this incident happening to that sudden realisation, oh, that person must be in a horrible situation mm, to have done yeah. this, to have done that. And it was cathartic. And But it's, it's, it's so, so weird how quickly that realisation can change everything because you can go from, I want yeah. justice, I want, yeah. I, I, I want this, and go straight to, I want them looked at, I don't want them to be in this situation yeah, where they feel they have to do this. Traumatised, yeah. yeah. It's not their first It's a mad choice. one. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, another question I've got, and again, and I'm glad I've already happened to bring up that sometimes I don't realise how dark and bleak my <laughs> thought processes are. But many times when I've listened, or maybe just when I'm watching the news and I've been listening to, to your podcast, it comes to mind of how old does a crime have to be to feel appropriate to focus on on the podcast. And this generally comes to mind because we're in a time, and you chose to do historical crimes, but we're in a time where there's so much fucking crime going on, whether it being carried out by a government, by police forces around the world, generally by men, you know, sadly Mm. is is the reality at the moment. And it's dark and it's heavy. And I just, I don't know, it got me wondering at what point does it kind of, can you disconnect slightly from that and Mm. go... Right, it's a story now. It's it's far think, enough away. Yeah. You know? It's a really interesting question. I think we've always said that we kind of like do diet true crime in the sense mm. that, you know, we don't do the things that are um, yeah, yeah. Th- that are happening right now because we are, you know, we all met doing comedy. We Comedy is the main uh, genre, really, of our podcast. Um, but it is interesting how we make those choices. I think sometimes, you know, we do historical crimes, but sometimes we'll also do ones that are quite recent. But sort of if, if somebody hasn't been, hasn't been killed, for example. So we did a case recently where Nick Cage had his comic book stolen and you know (laughs) really yeah exactly and nobody's nobody's hurt there really like rich man loses one million pound comic book that's not kind of stuff heist (laughs) yeah Yeah. essentially yeah Um, heist cases seem to be our more modern ones because there's usually kind of sorry to cut you across you there hannah finish your thought first welcome welcome to the female workplace (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> no, please, Taylor. Well, no, just that often in heist there is this agreement that they will not hurt anyone. They, um, if they have to, uh, you know, deal with any civilians, they will injure them but not kill them. And and money is fucking stupid. So it's kind of it's kind of okay. It's so dumb. It's so dumb that it rules our whole worlds and yeah. there's so much on this that that there is a million dollar comic and stuff yeah. like that is it's ludicrous. Yeah. It's truly ludicrous where we are with this. So it's it's hard to be too, you know, heart-wrenching about. Yeah. It's it's much easier to be funny. So yeah, yeah. we we do the historical ones. If someone's died, we're not going to do anyone living or is alive still. Like yeah. we, we'll have like that'll be Victoria or Edwardian or so. You know, it'll be long enough ago that it's not like hashtag too soon. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, Hannah did a. <laughs> I'm going to bring up Hannah's cannibal case as an example, <laughs> just because I remember you doing that case with the, it was like a cannibal cult that lived in a cave. A lot of alliteration as well, which is fun for everyone, mm-hmm. even if you're not into the topic. But Make it a was, great children's book. Exactly. A cannibal cult that lived in a cave. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was a very old crime. So it, there's just this feeling in your gut when you're like, this is, not only is it so old that no one is still alive that had any connection with it, but probably a lot of it is very inaccurate. And mm. actually, because we're not a history podcast, it's quite fun to play with that. We do have moments where we go, is this real? And we have to sort of go, I'm not sure. That's but it was written the beauty, on the web. In, in, in some of the, the, the really old ones, and when you yeah. will have kind of quite frivolous ones because of the time in which they were documented they're documented in quite a poetic and and storied way and it's like oh this is this is a fun fun crime we did one i did one once about um about the fact that you used to be able to sort of take animals to court and sort of get animals done for uh different crimes and my favorite part of it was the fact that the whole time katie was like this is shut up this isn't true like (laughs) katie was not have it it was really funny (laughs) and then halfway through obviously i was like well i've I've read it about six different sources but now i'm i'm doubting myself (laughs) but it was it was it was true they hung a dolphin in one place i mean it's it's crazy i was i was livid That's absolutely amazing. The past is a weird place. Oh, Women couldn't vote, but you could sue a dolphin. Yeah, what a, exactly. It sounds like a crazy <laughs> sci-fi fictional. It really does. And I finally believed it myself when um, I realised there was a Colin Firth movie where he played a guy who um, is like a lawyer for a pig. And I was like, it's got to be true. Amazing. If Mr. Darcy's doing it. Yeah, disappointingly not called Pig Lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> I would have watched it. I would have watched Pig Lawyer in a heartbeat. Well, I, I mean, uh, I want to get a bit into your, because again, I think, I find particularly with podcasts and with people who write, I find the journey there really interesting. I was talking about this on a podcast recently. I watch a lot of, of mixed martial arts. It's going to sound like I'm going off on a tangent, but one of the the, the fascinating matters that keeps changing over the years is what's the best the best base to come to this sport is it growing up doing wrestling and then you add some striking is it growing oh. up doing karate and then you add some submission stuff what's and it changes oh. over the years what what becomes the, the kind of dominant martial art but the thing i love about comedy and r- r- writing in particular is there's no <laughs> there's no set 
here's the best route. Here's the best. I mean, <laughs> other than being a rich white person, but that's not necessarily <laughs> to good to good writing or good comedy. But outside of of, of but of enough class about based, guaranteed success. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> aside from class based advantages, <laughs> a, a Taylor, you obviously of of from America, and you were a psychotherapist for a period of time, right? Yes, I had a feeling this might be leading there. Mm-hmm. Although of all the backgrounds, that feels the most logical to me because yeah. it's the study of human nature. It's I mean, it's certainly studies, right, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So it, I mean, it's funny because I've been asked, "Do you use, you know, case studies or pa- you know, real patients that you've worked with to inform your?" characters and it really isn't that literal I don't sit and go yeah I remember Jan was having trouble with her husband and to make her a character it's more this (laughs) especially because my brain is just too crazy for that to pinpoint Mm. on one thing it just feels like this crazy sludge of experiences where I had the privilege of sitting and across from someone and just absorbing their world and it, it really was a privilege um so it's just this weird mishmash in there that I get to use and it obviously yeah was really handy for comedy yeah. and it's very handy for the podcast not just because we're dealing with some heavy topics although sometimes I feel this kind of responsibility if somebody does get into a traumatic story I'm like oh no do I remember to deal with this and I've had a few vodkas you see the other two sit back slightly go over to Taylor Taylor we always say she's our our trauma expert yeah (laughs) it's great she can she can profile everyone and then also comfort them I mean if there's one thing I can offer it's a very expired license so if that if that's helpful. Yeah. So, so what brought you over to, to, to the UK? You you moved over in in 2005, was it? Yeah. Oh wow. You've done you've done your research because I oh, always stats. forget that and I'm always trying to do the maths <laughs> on it. Yes, I've been here for a long time now. Do you know what? I'd like to say it was on more than a whim, but it was I, I like speaking of trauma, I just gone right through school, right through grad school. I had a very cool job in New York, but 9-11 happened. I promised I wouldn't talk about 9-11 and here I'm already doing it. I was like, if I start doing a principal skinner and staring out the window and talking about 9-11, then stop me. Um, but there were a lot of heavy things going on and I I think I realized, wow, I'm in this very heavy role. I had never had a gap year, as you guys call it, as well as wealthy people call it, a gap year. Um, So yeah, I just needed a break from all of that. And I happened to have a very good friend who said, hey, I'm I'm breaking off an engagement. Would you like to move across the pond with me? Because I need an ocean between me and this guy. And I was like, I would like an ocean between me and all of these experiences. So we just kind of came over here, had no money, had no idea what we were doing. And I never imagined I would still be here and be like, wow, this is more home than the U.S. is. But here I am. It's understandable. (laughs) No one that I know who lived in New York when 9-11 happened still lives in New York. Wow, really? Um, Is that right? And I think it is. It's that kind of obviously hugely traumatic. And I'd imagine... Actually, I don't know many either. I'm going through the list and I'm like, no. It's understandable. It's is and, mm. and and to use a perfect example here, if you have a traumatic breakup, you don't want to see that person every day. Sometimes you want to move across the Atlantic to to, <laughs> yeah. to get a, a, away from them. So I he think was a really big guy, so yeah. she needed <laughs> yeah. actual distance. Very tall. And we need to go far. And 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 how how did you find 
the UK, did you instantly, again, you say, you say you're kind of stunned that you're still here. Has it been a gradual kind of, oh, right, I guess I'm not going back? Or, or was it a, this is my place? No, it took a while. I can remember having such bad homesickness and really, really longing for New York and just... I, I mean, to put it blunt, like, I just realized what an idiot I was as an American. And it was a really, like, really, I realize now such a pivotal growth experience to get mm. outside of my comfort zone. And I think I had a lot of arrogance because I'm like, I'm a New Yorker now. I can do anything. And it's like, <laughs> London is here to go like, fuck you, man. No, you can't. You know? <laughs> okay. Um God, I just remember such silly little things that showed such a difference in culture. Like, one thing was... Just understanding the turn of phrase like, all right, when people greet you like, hey, Taylor, all right. If an American hears that, they hear, hey, are you all right? And there's a concern (laughs) there. And I'm just, I'm less open than I used to be because I've learned like, don't give it all away. But I would just be like, oh, thank you so much for asking. Yeah, I'm actually really homesick. And (laughs) And not realizing that there's only one appropriate response to that. And it's, yeah, you, yeah, not too bad. (laughs) And that's all the emotion that should pass in that exchange. So it was just learning little. Learning repression. Learning repression, which is great. I love learning. I love finding those turns of phrases as well that my American friends go, excuse me, what did you just say? I I remember saying to someone at one point, oh, I'm, I'm just knocking about at home and perfectly normal to me but an American friend was like you're doing what's at home you're knocking about at home and that, this image of me just walking around knocking on my walls in this twee English place and that what, still makes me laugh that one and I've never questioned it but I automatically think ping pong ball yeah, and I'm like yeah, yeah. I'm knocking about at home well as you've noticed you know I've I've, I've done my research and one thing I want to briefly talk to you about because I I will talk about this subject at any opportunity I get and notice that I've skimmed past husband (laughs) daughter but you've got rescue greyhounds and I think rescue dogs are the best dogs in the world I think always adopt and don't shop I think there's such a trend now with with Instagram dogs or whatever and just rescue dogs are just amazing and my, my my uncle's got specifically greyhounds as well but oh. I've had a lot of contact with a lot of rescue dogs and they're just the best right it's a beautiful thing oh yeah. Hannah Katie I'm really sorry you didn't get a chance to talk on the rest of the podcast <laughs> oh, let's go but he said the magic words <laughs> well yes and as you can see they're sleeping behind me now it, yeah. they've just been so much fun and I don't know anything about dogs and in fact I used to feel kind of I grew up on a farm that wasn't ours. My parents were just renting this old farmhouse to save loads of money, but it was a working farm around us. So I just grew up around animals and I was a little bit just blasé about all of them growing up. Like I was just like, meh, wasn't really fussed. And actually it was meeting these guys and our producer because they're all so crazy about dogs. Um, so I'd be with you guys and you'd be like, oh, stop. Like just mid-sentence, look at that. Look at that German shepherd. I've got <laughs> I've got specific places I go for walks just to look at dogs. Like that's that's <laughs> okay. the only reason I'm there. I know the good spots to go and really check out some cool dogs. And that's a joyous life. I just yeah. I don't think I ever let them them in. So yeah, here I am with with two, and they're just such sweet dogs. They're very goofy. And, oh, greyhounds are such a beautiful oh. contradiction because you see. <laughs> Yeah. like r- r- running along the beach and they're athletes like this is the peak of 
of creation of, of form. <laughs> yeah. And then you get them home and they're these delicate, floppy idiots that are kind of, yeah, <laughs> need all this attention and care. Yeah. <laughs> I can relate. I can relate to them. They're very, you know, of all the dogs, because I'm a sprinter, I'm not a marathon runner. I've always struggled mm-hmm. with that with lots of stuff like parenthood because parenting is a marathon. Yeah. Ugh. So let's not even get into that because it's boring. But it's just <laughs> I like I like bursts of energy. And that's why I find things like I don't do stand up anymore, but it was it was like a sprint. It was like this burst of adrenaline and energy. And we still get that doing live shows. I love that. Like, oh, that kick of adrenaline. But then I want a nap. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't like going all all day with anything. (laughs) No, I completely agree. I completely agree. Well, well, I love the idea now that Hannah and and Kate are sitting thinking, what? Strange parts of my life is he going to ask about? I so, can't wait. So, so over you're a to Hannah. Yourself. So over to Hannah. I'm excited to talk to you about Venter and and the Isle of Wight in general because I it blows my mind. I used to we used to play best of all every year like, like when I did, did the music. So it was our, it was kind of our our home. F- Festival. I'm pretty um, sure I've seen you at Best of Watchley a few I'd, times. <laughs> we'd always, and I'd always stay the whole weekend and barely go on site because I just want to walk around the Isle of Wight and go, I don't know what year it is. I don't know what decade it is, but I adore it. How, how was it gr- growing up somewhere like the Isle of Wight? Because it is its own little thing, isn't it? It does seem kind of, I remember, I'm rambling on now because of my excitement about the Isle of Wight, but I remember <laughs> being genuinely, me and my partner at the time, being in fits of laughter because we had arranged to meet my the dad and his girlfriend for some food in, in in one of the small places on the Isle of Wight. And genuinely, five people in a row started coming up the street that we went, oh, there they are, and went to say hello. They went, no, it's just another old man and old woman um and and it was it was all exactly it was genuinely and they're not old and infirm but it was just it was so bizarre that everyone in this but it was in shanklin Shanklin, village i was gonna say that everyone in shanklin at a distance we were like oh that no no it's just it's just two (laughs) it's just two people (laughs) that's what this town is but yeah how was it I was there this morning and I saw your uh, dad. Um, he was there. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I love it. <laughs> it was great. You know, like, I moved from London when I was six. So like right. that was quite exciting because I remember when we got to our like new house, we said to our mum, like, can we can we go outside? And she was like, yes. Like, yeah. you don't Anything have to ask here. permission. Yeah. You can climb a tree, like go to the beach. Probably not on my own when I was six, but maybe. Yeah. I don't know. yeah. yeah. So that freedom was really exciting. But we used to go on holiday to the Isle of Wight when I was a kid from London. So I think I thought my life was going to be like 99 ice creams and going down the arcade. And when I found out I had to go to school, I was a bit like, what the fuck? <laughs> really annoying. But, um, but it, yeah, it was it was a really fun place to grow up. Like I left when I was, well, I left to go to uni when I was in my like early 20s and then came back for a couple of years. Now I live in London again. But that... That time of growing up on the island is brilliant. And if you listen to our podcast, my God, do I go on about it. I think I'm like a one-woman Isle of Wight tourism. Uh- <laughs> I love it. I, on on in, in a relationship a few years back, we were going to go on a holiday. I was like, oh, let's go to the Isle of Wight. And they were like, why is that? I was like... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just want to go. I just don't know. They're like, I'm up for it. It just seems like a very specific, let's go to the Isle of Wight. Um, do you think it influenced you as a writer? And I'll, I'll kind of explain my thought process here because I genuinely think I've, I, 
I live in the same small, small town I grew up in. My my childhood home is 10 minutes in that direction and my mum lives there and my dad lives 10 minutes in, in that direction. So I've always lived in the same place. And I think there is a kind of a level of seclusion nurtures the imagination and nurtures kind of the creativity in your mind. And it, mm. a, a blunter way to put it is boredom can be really cre- <laughs> motivating for for creativity, but do you think obviously you you started in London and uh, and then you you went to uni, so it's not like you were there the whole time. But do you feel there's something in that 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 helps you build these these worlds? Because you would have been doing a lot of that. There. Yeah, I mean, definitely a lot of stuff that I write that's um, sort of original stuff. A lot of it is set on the Isle of Wight. Like um, yeah. I'm constantly trying to get stuff away um, based there, mostly so I can go back and visit my parents yeah. when it shoots or something. You know, just there or Hawaii, basically the two places where I'd like to see stuff. But yeah, definitely that that boredom thing. I think there's something about growing up by the beach and in the countryside that kind of I don't know it. Boredom's maybe the wrong word, but like I remember like we'd walk through the landslip from Ventnor to Shanklin and along the way we'd kind of find different, you know, we'd just find things in the bushes and we'd make up a story about, essentially it would always be a murder as well, which is interesting. I think like, <laughs> maybe that's why I was destined to do drunk women. But, you know, we'd be like, okay, we'd find like a, 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 a child's glove and it would start quite darkly and we'd be like, right, okay, this is a child's gone missing. And then, and we were probably about 10 at the time walking along. And then, you know, we'd find different things and so yeah I I think that it did help me maybe become more imaginative uh, possibly (laughs) and I love that you've you're continuing to try and push productions onto the Isle of Wight I've 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 got a a script that um (laughs) it's this huge big sci-fi concept about a time in the future where wars don't take place between countries they take place between belief systems and the the fights are happening kind of the deserts or whatever, so there's no, you know, local injuries or whatever else. It's these big battles. But the story I actually tell in that world is on the Isle of Wight, about Love a it. community on the Isle of Wight, the people who haven't gone to war, and here's what's left behind, and here's what's going on there. And I've had two or three production company meetings going, they're like, oh, we love this, this World <laughs> War Three thing, with these where we're not being b- b- belief systems rather than countries, all this... But why are we on the Isle of Wight now? Why aren't we looking at, at that? I'm like, no, fuck that. That's the boring bit. That's just the setup to get to the Isle of Wight. But again, I, I think any of those places, it's hard to explain on page, if you know what I mean. If you if you do have anywhere that has a certain magical wonder to you, then you have to be really conscious, I think, to remember that that shorthand isn't in the mind of the person reading it. You need to explain. Yeah. In the if, if we were watching it, I, I always skip straight ahead to, oh, we're making this and forget yeah. that I've got to convince people to let me make it. So in my mind, I'm like, well, you'll be able to see this and it looks like this and all that. But it's like, oh no, they don't have that connection. So it's it's a yeah. weird one with things things like that. But I'm all for more stuff being made. I think so. I think there's the like a, an innocence to the island. And, and also there's that thing of just um, things being, oh, what's the word? Um not genuine, but I feel like um, it's authentic, I think, in terms of, you know, the few things that I've set on the island. I think Mm. there's definitely stuff in scripts that I will have written that you don't understand unless you come from the island. And maybe if you watch it, you go like, that never happened. And you'll be like, I'm afraid it did. um... (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I love those. I, I love having those things as well that you can 
go, no, no, no. It's it actually like you can't tell me that's not realistic because that's actually how it happened. So yeah. you, you can't tr- trump me on that one. Like with them, um, Taylor sort of saying that she sort of got um, ideas for characters and stuff from talking to people um, in therapy sessions. Like I used to work at Nationwide at the Building Society in Shanklin. Same thing. <laughs> I was very much a, a therapist and a friend to uh, all of the customers. But there was something that, you know, I've been full time not, work, you know, writing for years now that I haven't, I really miss that job. I miss that job of the local sort of um, Shanklin celebrities coming in and chatting to me and... I just I used to love it because I don't meet characters like that anymore in mm. um, in the media. I just meet sort of like I'd say not relatively normal people, but like there was some, there was something about meeting the public of the Isle of Wight for like four or five years straight that I'll never run out of characters <laughs> or character names as well. Um, okay, although I should yeah. probably change some of them because I'm pretty sure they're mostly confidential. But. <laughs> It's beautiful. Well, I feel like I'm now just asking you all about specific locations, so I may as well keep on that with Katie. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about your kind of route into comedy, but there's a place in 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 your history that that means a, a lot to me as well. Or Norfolk in general. I'm I'm a big fan of Norfolk, and the reason for it makes me sound even more common in Essex than I am, but. <laughs> I used to do a lot of street art and Norfolk is about two hours away from me. So we'd drive to like Norwich or or or, or somewhere like that, do our illegal paintings on the wall and then drive home. <laughs> and it was this beautiful thing. It was so exciting. It was, in our minds, it was art and it was rebellion. The beauty of driving into Norwich and the sign saying, welcome to Norwich, a fine city, which it really is. A fine city is the perfect description. It's such a beautiful, I've never seen a welcoming sign that nails it so perfectly because it is a fine city. It's like a village that got really big. So, so yeah, how was how was your time there? And then what was your your, your, your route into comedy from from Norfolk? Yeah, no, I, I, actually, I loved my time at UEA in Norfolk. Mm. And I, I studied sociology there, which... I want to say I've used and it's really helped with my writing like these guys with their character studies, but no, I, it's, not, it's not helped me at all. Um, but I met great people, which who I'm still friends with. I went back, we went back to see Seals on the beach in Feb, in February half term. Mm. Can I just check Seals and not Seal from, <laughs> yes. from being Seal? Both, He's very Both sometimes. In Norfolk. <laughs> it's but amazing, yeah, no. isn't it, there? That yeah. you just have these just slightly off... Offshore seals knocking about. I did a drive there after. I'm sure I heard, I'm sure it was an Adam Buxton podcast and he was recording it. He'd just gone to uh, to this specific beach. And I'm so influenced by podcasts. I generally just put that beach into Google Maps. I'm going there tomorrow then. And went and had a look at these these seals. (laughs) Oh, so you went too? Yeah, yeah. I've I've been specifically to, for that reason, to, uh, to look at these. I also went to... I'm sure it was in Norfolk, but it might have been in, in, in Suffolk. There's an abandoned Butlins. Um, oh, really? And it's amazing. Like Ooh. we had to do some work to get in because it's quite boarded up and wow. and secure. But I did a whole photo shoot in there and walking around this place that it feels it's so weird because places like that were only ever places that were built for joy you're only there for a holiday there's no one living there during their jobs you're always away from your job and then it just feels like it was just everyone upped and left like (laughs) everything is in place still the chalets and everything it's 
it must feel like a like a zombie town like yeah. uh like oh something terrible happened here and but the holiday stuff has all been left behind. The, the irony of me unplanned adm- admitting to numerous crimes <laughs> when you guys are on my podcast. I didn't plan to talk about my graffiti and breaking into, in, yeah. in, into abandoned holiday parks, but damn. You know Sorry to bring it back to the Isle of Wight, but there's quite a good one on the Isle of Wight as well. There's Is an there? abandoned like 1950s um, holiday park on the island. Oh yeah, I immediately want to shoot a horror film, or as you say, just something. Yeah, I did a I did a merch photo shoot in the in 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 this one that that we broke into, and the models I'd booked the shock on their face as they (laughs) realised, oh no no we're not no one's told us where you can be here because me and my mate I'm I'm just admitting so many crimes now me and my my mate Chris had scouted it the day before and found like we'd scouted it a few weeks before but the day before we did a check and found our route in and when we got there that route had been sealed up. So I just said, right, we're going to go and shoot on the beach quickly and Chris is going to stay here and when we're done, we'll be able to get in. So so Chris had to find another way for us all to break in. Sounds to me as though you've just blamed that all on Chris. Yep, 100% Chris. Sorry, Chris. (laughs) All right, Sparrow to Ness, Sparrow to Ness. We've got him. He's confessed to everything. (laughs) Bring in Chris. (laughs) Imagining people swarming into Chris's living room right now. SWAT team. What the fuck has Pip done now? (laughs) Um, Yes, so so what was was your route into comedy from that kind of... From st- um, studying, I guess. Do you know, well, I'd always been such a super fan of comedy my whole life. And in fact, one of the re- like one of the reasons I ended up at UEA was, oh, so many stupid things happened, but basically I wasn't going to be able to do like a script writing course or anything like cool, like Hannah, but <laughs> I, I'd ended up with this sociology. So I was like, oh, well, I'll, I'll pick a university. I'll see what, you know, comedy connections are. And I knew that UEA was where... Um, Paul Whitehouse had met Charlie Higson. So wow. I was like, all right, well, that's oh, good enough. That's uh, that's something. That. Like the Far Show was really big, obviously, yeah. back in 99. It was probably 98 when I was playing. Anyway, whatever. And obviously Delia Smith, not a comedian, but like big, <laughs> big, big feet. My gran was really into Delia Smith. So I sort of, comedy was always on the periphery, but I didn't think you were allowed to like do anything with it. Um, I was just like always logging it and just a fan. And then I finished uni and I was just temping. I've done so many different jobs. I've done office work, bar work, delivering pizzas, like yeah. photography, so many things. And like a lot of temping, insurance, all sorts. And then I was just um, just trying to write stuff just in my spare time. And I wrote a, a kid's book, actually, like a comedy young adult teen book and I was I didn't know anybody so just sending it off like it was in the slush pile and then I started I just had always wanted to and I just like thought you know I'm gonna die and I won't have done anything I'm just temping like who cares if like 50 strangers think I'm a dick yeah so I started doing stand-up and then I just kind of like meanwhile this story's getting rejected everyone you know it's like the letter that sounds like they haven't even read it they were like thanks bye and then I just met more people through comedy and then, um, you know, people would say like, oh, they're looking for people at this gig and met other people that I started writing with. And then some eventually somebody was looking for something that I had. And then I started having like meetings and then event, then a sitcom got optioned and then because I needed an agent to sign the contract and then ended up having this meeting with an agent and 
they were looking for like a young adult book. So then it was finally being read by people in the actual industry and then stuff. So, so basically it's sort of like, it's been long enough now that I should have a proper sound bite, short answer to the question, how did you get into comedy? <laughs> and I still haven't managed to condense it down because no, it's a I, weird meandering path. I love the reality of it and particularly on the book front, because it really is. I mean, we I joked earlier about interesting routes to success other than being a rich person yeah, and the fact, that, the, the fact that the same book was being ignored for a long time and then yeah. you were someone and it was <laughs> yeah, being yeah. read and it's like fuck yeah. you that's it's so dumb but it's it's absolutely <laughs> true and or more than half of of all of these industries is having a reason for someone to give you the time of day which yeah. is yeah. horrible it's grim <laughs> isn't it <laughs> It's so bleak. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm going to. There's loads I want to talk about, but I'm going to start to wrap things up as it's it's getting into the evening. But how have you all found the difference between doing the podcast live and doing like comedy or stand up or things like that? Because it's such a different beast. There's different. The audience expectation is slightly different, even though it's the same thing. Really, you're turning up at a venue and you're there for laughs and a good time. And there's there's three of you. I think that, that that must make a massive difference compared to going up there and being like, "All right, this is this is going to be all on me." <laughs> I think the biggest thing is the fact that people are there to see us. Like yeah. whenever we did stand up, like very rarely, apart from like you know an Edinburgh show or something, mm-hmm. very rarely were people turning up at these clubs up and down the country to see one of us specifically they've come to a comedy night and I think there's always that thing when a woman walks on stage it's kind of like make me laugh then you know it's not there's not an assumption she's funny but for us these are people who um you know let's say 90% of the people that are our gigs you know listen to the podcast and the other 10% are people that have been brought along by listeners of the podcast so in, in a way it gives us quite a kind of almost like a an easier gig because yeah. they already like us and they already yeah. know our, our sort the of joke. foibles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they know all our in-jokes. They'll shout out. Like when we have this thing of um, it's a true crime podcast with a twist and the first time that we did it, the audience shouted of Lyme and we were like, what? Like yeah. people are listening to this. <laughs> we started a cult. Yeah. <laughs> so that for me was the main, main difference between doing stand-up. And also it'd probably been about almost 10 years between me doing stand-up and doing our first live show. And I, I didn't think I missed it. But then after we got off stage that first night, I was like, she's back, baby. <laughs> it's, 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 it's so weird to have that comfort, that real world confirmation of what you knew because you know people are listening I'm sure you get numbers and stats and things like that you know it's happening but it doesn't sink in at all as said until you then do a live one and people know the phrases the the references you're like oh who who are you you're those (laughs) numbers that were on that sheet that's crazy (laughs) no it's still I don't know if it'll ever really sink in because of Mm. all the and I'm glad I had all the the graft and the pain of stand up because it feels like wow I really put in my time and I've had some painful Edinburgh experiences with empty rooms and now like we're doing Edinburgh this year in our biggest room yet it's like 200 plus seats and it's a little scary but it's so exciting and it's just um yeah we pinch ourselves I pinch myself all the time because it just feels like we sat in that pub and came up with an idea and it was very much a Let's do this for us because it'll be fun and we work together well. We don't have to deal with any gatekeepers. It's just us creating something. 
And then it took off. And I just, I don't think any of us saw that happening. We put in a lot of work. I think we all really wanted it to happen, but it's like stuff never happened. It's never the thing that you want to happen that happens, right? It's always the accidental stuff along the way. So it's just, been, yeah, it's been a wild ride. I love it. And, and and what's ahead? What's the plan now? Again, as you said, you had loads planned when the pandemic hit. <laughs> You've done loads <laughs> since then. Yeah, what's what's ahead for for you guys wow we've got our um we're doing a london residency at 21 soho so every month mm-hmm. we're um we're there doing two shows um a night which is great fun we did our fast swap first one last month and it was that was amazing and then yeah up to edinburgh i think what is it the fourth to the no the fourth through the, the 14th or no we yeah fourth through the 13th 10 nights i love it we're planning to get better at PR. That's another thing. Um, yeah, dates in general. We're always working on our dates and our times. <laughs> it's all like, on line. It blows my. I, I used exactly. to. I, I'm not on, on social media m- much at the moment, but it used to infuriate me when people would tweet me things that they could easily Google. So like, <laughs> you want me to go, just oh, Google doesn't interrupt anyone. <laughs> you, you're interrupting my day to ask when I'm in, in Manchester. It's on. It's on Google. Just go and look. So they. You don't need exact dates. You're going to be in Edinburgh. You're doing the London residency. It's fine. Yeah, and we'll just be putting, hopefully, you know, putting out episodes weekly, which we have. Like, we didn't realise, I think, when we started that um, we could do it in seasons because lots of mm. podcasts do, like, different seasons. But we're on, two, like, episode 247 of season one. Season one, baby. <laughs> I'm the same. I'm, I'm on episode four. 505 of season one. Yeah, you are. Similarly, similarly, I've not missed a week. And again, it's that thing that podcast, no one told me that at the start. And now, but it's like a lot of people say the biggest, one of the biggest things for giving things up is the fact that you don't like, if it's drinking, for example, I've not drunk in four years. I can't break that now. I have that with the podcast. It's like, (laughs) It's been nine years and I've not missed a week. So if I miss a week now, it's going to ruin everything. But that's really, that's a horrible spell to be caught in or web to be caught in. It's handy that it's a very successful and cool podcast. Just got to keep doing it forever now, I guess. Yeah, if no one was listening though, you'd just be like, oh God, I'm doing this for seven people. (laughs) My commitment is killing me. But I told them I would, so here we are. Well, thank you very much for taking the time, and thank you for your podcast. As said, I'm, I'm, I've, I've loved every episode I've listened to, and as said, it, it is that mix of I've always loved again because of my comfort of the light and the dark kind of topics. I always love conversations that can go there and it not feel like it's a uncomfortable thing. And I think you guys are really good at, m- at making it comfortable if it gets heavy and being comfortable to get light again. That's another thing that sometimes if a subject gets heavy, then, right, that's the rest of this podcast. We've got to be really heavy and respectful. It's like, no, you're good at then going... Okay, now over to this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At the right time. So, like, yeah. acknowledge it and then lift. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you for taking the time. It's been a pleasure to chat. The the you know the pandemic stopped us having this conversation yeah, for for a good I'm few sure years, but we've beaten it in the end. Yeah, yes, take that pandemic. We oh. win. <laughs> well, thank you guys. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you. That was so much fun. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks so much. This was fun.
You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I clearly did. And I'm going to be going on Drunk Women uh, Solving Crime. In in They have these sections of each year where some they have male, a, a male guest or two on, and I've been kindly asked to jump on for that. So tune in for that. Tune in for all their episodes. Go and see them live. Genuinely get involved because they're wonderful people and they're wonderfully entertaining. They've given me an awful lot of joy. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in, gang. I'll be back next week. Until then, stay safe and stay sane. Ta-ta.